Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. Let's take tech in the right direction to drive social change and close the employment, pay, and culture gap for women in technology. This podcast is focused on helping turn ideas into action and create opportunities for women to advance in the dynamic technology industry. I hope this podcast will inspire and motivate you to encourage more women and girls to seek or grow a career as a woman in technology. Stories about the journey of amazing women in the tech field starts right now. Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. This week, I will be speaking with Colette Bichemi and Melody Roberts. Colette's professional work has been dedicated to strengthening and revitalizing business ecosystems, industry sectors, and communities through trade development, workforce, and educational programs and innovation-based initiatives. She has significant experience in working with membership-based industry associations and government-sponsored programs that are focused on improving U.S. manufacturing, through technology advancements and workforce initiatives. Colette is the director of WILL, the Women's Innovation Learning Lab at the Women's Business Development Center, a program that helps women and minority-owned businesses translate ideas into value-added products and services by making innovation and entrepreneurial management tools and methodologies accessible, relevant, and inclusive. Colette is a proud mom to three adult sons and a teenage stepdaughter. She loves spending time with her family, cooking, hiking, nature excursions, travel, reading, and yoga. Next, we have Melody Roberts. Melody is the co-founder and CEO of Live Labs, a consumer health tech startup addressing pelvic floor fitness. Over a 25-year career, Melody has worked to solve a wide range of everyday problems for women, from feeding the family to memory keeping. She launched her career developing new product concepts for household consumer brands at Smart Design in New York City. She then spent time in Silicon Valley, where she led innovation programs for IDO clients, including Hewlett-Packard, the NSA, and McDonald's restaurants. This led to a dozen years rethinking and modernizing convenient food service, initially with the McDonald's global innovation team and later for Panera Bread Company. Melody earned her bachelor's in American studies at Yale and her master's in human-centered product design at Illinois Tech. Welcome to the show, Melody and Colette. I am so happy to have you. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for having us, Jennifer. Delighted to be here. Great. Well, let's get started. So we'll start with you, Melody. Uh, can you share with us your career journey and how you got to where you are today? Well, I would describe uh, where I am as my third phase. I, I didn't invent that, but I'm, I'm really in my third phase. My first, first part of my career was spent in consulting. I worked in New York City in the design field. Uh, I moved to Silicon Valley and spent some time there, really more as an innovation consultant. The second phase was my corporate phase. It was absolutely thrilling to work at McDonald's Corporation for almost a decade, mm-hmm. making change and designing uh, altogether new customer experiences at scale. 
uh, and then to have an opportunity to reprise that for a couple of years with Panera. And now in my third phase, I'm a startup founder, an entrepreneur. Uh, it's a whole new frame, a new way of thinking about myself, uh, an incredible learning journey. And what more to say? <laughs> I'm loving it. I love the phases. I love how you you broke it up because it is a journey and you know some people break it up into decades of their life but that's that's very neat so Colette can you share with us your career journey and how you got to where you are today sure uh, so I've spent the majority of my career working in economic development focused largely on helping companies grow through initiatives that support either market expansion process improvements and workforce development. Um, and I think the theme of innovation and transformation has probably been the golden thread and what I find most rewarding. Uh, so in the mid 2000s, I designed a product that received a patent, which was an awesome experience. And that process of design and production really got me interested in manufacturing. But at that time, manufacturing had shifted largely offshore. So it was really difficult to get that product made. Uh, so I joined a small trade association focused on helping Illinois manufacturing manufacturers remain globally competitive, did some work there, and then that led me into working in the international economic development field where I worked for the British government, heading up their international trade office. And then I came back to manufacturing um, and for the last several years um, have spent time working with an innovation consortium focused on Industry 4.0, which is about the digitization of manufacturing. And then most recently, uh, I joined WBDC to head up its innovation program. That's amazing. Wow. I love women and innovation. That's, you know, it's, you don't hear of it that much, but I'm so happy that you're in that field because innovation is so critical for growth and um, for us to thrive in today's world. So uh, Colette, I know you are um, heading up the development of the Women's Innovation Learning Lab at WBDC, as you mentioned. Um, so how how does that work and how is it supporting business owners through this pandemic? Sure. So I'll just briefly talk a little bit about the WBDC, which I, I understand you know um, mm -hmm. a little bit about. Uh, we're a fairly well-established 501c not-for-profit based in Chicago. And over the last 34 years, you know, we've been really dedicated to economic parity and ownership as a critical path for women and minority-owned businesses to realize their economic empowerment and self-sufficiency. So our mission is to support and accelerate those businesses, their development, their growth, in order to really strengthen their participation and impact on the economy. And so we are uh, HQ'd in, in Chicago, um, but we have offices in Aurora, Richton Park, and Little Village, as well as serving a nine-state region, which helps um, uh, women-owned businesses become certified. So we are a third-party certifier for the WBE as part of the Women's Business Enterprise National Council. And so as part of our effort to continually strive to elevate our programs and services, we really began to look at where there might be gaps and opportunities that could better meet the evolving needs of our clients and our partners, because we have many corporate partners as well. And while innovation has always been part of the WBDC's DNA, right? We've been breaking down barriers and advocating for economic parity for the last three plus decades. It was really time to be um, more intentional about what innovation means, not just to us as an organization, but our clients. And you know, there is frankly no greater time than 
the time we're in, uh, the pandemic, um, you know, if, if uh, necessity is the mother of invention, one could argue that crisis is the catalyst for innovation. And that's really where we pick up with the lab. Uh, so we're excited to announce WILL, which um, is the Women's Innovation and Learning Lab. And it has been created and designed to really democratize and diversify for women and minority-owned companies their access to innovation and entrepreneurial management methodologies and tools. So our goal is really to help reduce the risk and uncertainty of new ideas and help them grow to ensure not just long-term sustainability for their families and communities and their ecosystems, but obviously for their own companies. Uh, and if I could just briefly chat a bit about what, what we mean, uh, and I know we'll come on to talking a bit more about innovation in a moment, but what I mean by these tools and methods, there are things such as, which Melody knows very well, design thinking, business model canvas, lean startup, growth mindset. Um, these, these specific tools and methods and approaches are different and they matter because we know that these same tools have been highly effective and impactful for large corporates that have structured and well-funded innovation programs where they test ideas, they're ahead of the curve, and it really lets them be uh, globally competitive. Um, they're also used in technology startups and incubators and accelerators. But where we saw the gap is there is a gap in the awareness and the access for women and minority businesses. And so we believe that by making them aware of these tools and methods, making them accessible and relevant, that we will help them make better informed decisions to reduce risk. And so really it's about inclusive entrepreneurship. I love that. Wow. That is really innovative and really helping um, women and minority businesses grow and thrive. Um, I want to back up for a minute and talk about the WBDC as well. I have been certified with them for over 15 years. I think it's close to maybe 20 years and just love the community that it presents for um, for its members, for its certified members that help you grow, connect, and uh, really grow your business. And uh, we've had many women that are part of the WBDC on our podcast that are very successful and will continue to do that, but uh, just love that community and have grown up with it, you know, with my business. So uh, thank you for all the services that you provide. Um, the other area is, can you give us some examples how women are interacting with the Innovation Lab? Like, what, what would be a, t you know, one example of someone that is now uh, interacting with the Innovation Lab and what are they doing? Sure. So we've we spent the last six months you know, mapping out our, putting together our roadmap and we're launching our official programming next year. Uh, what we have done uh, over the last several months has gone out and worked with our clients either in a one-on-one -on -one capacity. Um, we've also embedded um, training curriculum into our existing cohorts. We have three practice areas, which I'll, I'll highlight very quickly. Uh, the three practice areas are really meant to drive the innovation within our, within our clients. So one is around growth mindset, uh, bringing, leaning upon the tools that um, are part of Carol Dweck's um, seminal piece of work. Uh, and the other is around design thinking. Um, the second practice area is really these tools and practices that I've been mentioning. So we're working with um, Market Opportunity Navigator and testing business ideas. We're running our clients through these programs, uh, which really gives them an opportunity to de-risk what they're doing. Um, you know, they, they're really learning new tools around discovery, 
client surveying, uh, prototyping in ways that they haven't before. And then lastly, uh, our practice area is what we call technology enablers. So for many of our companies, access to technology is an issue. Uh, you know, they use technology in some, in some ways, but really what we're trying to do is make sure that they're aware of technology enablers that can make their business run more efficiently. Um, so those are the, the, the three practice areas, and our goal in 2021 is to expand our, our offering by uh, giving, uh, making available innovation cohort trainings, where we'll bear, bring in 15 to 20 students over a nine-week period and have them run through these training cohorts. We'll be developing a webinar and podcast series, uh, as well as our one-on-one -on -one advising. That's amazing. What, what great programs for women to really get involved and grow. Um, I, I would love to talk to you more about, um, you know, how we can help on the productivity side, the efficiency side, because, you know, the training programs that we do, I think, can help women um, to really grow their efficiency within their businesses. So, um, you know, I'm very passionate about women and technology. So anything I can do to help, I'm I'm in. Thank you, Jennifer. That's great. Sure. sure. All right. So, Melody, let's talk innovation. Why why is innovation important, and what are some of the benefits that you see? So, you know, innovation is kind of the air I breathe. It's always uh, challenging for me to step back and ask why. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm working uh, in technology development, new service and systems design my whole career. But what I would tell you is that uh, everything changes. The way we do even day in and day out activities evolves. And it often evolves so slowly we don't notice the change. But if you look back 20 years, 40 years, 60 years, it's incredibly obvious that everything changes. So working in innovation is really just living and leaning into the, the future, knowing that the future is already real somewhere, even if it's not real yet here. Um, and also, I, I think that innovation has become more prominent and more, I'm going to say, popular to address simply because the pace of change is quickening. Part of that is honestly the growth of the human population and the need that that brings for us to address large scale uh, systems for sustaining human health and happiness. So innovation is, is just plain fundamental to our long-term survival and um, the best possible experience uh, here on earth. That's great. We need innovation. It has to be part of our DNA. It has to be a part of every business um, because if you're not innovating, you're kind of dead. You're not growing. Um, so tell me a little bit about, you know, how the pandemic has affected um, women and minority businesses and what are they doing to thrive during this pandemic? And I'll open it up to either Colette or Melody whoever wants to answer that. I can speak to it specifically. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I certainly can't generalize uh, on how it might be affecting other businesses. Mm -hmm. But in the case of mine, so I have a, a startup, as I mentioned, and we're developing consumer health technologies that enable women with pelvic floor disorders to uh, engage in new and better types of self-care and um, both for ther both therapies that are ameliorative as well as 
the pursuit of long-term cures. So that's, uh, it's not a storefront business, uh, as valuable as every storefront business is. We're trying to do something that involves quite a bit of R&D. We have about a two to four year R&D lead time that we're addressing. Wow. So in our case, the pandemic didn't really stop us. We were conducting a clinical study that was uh, executed in home. There was no disruption to that activity because we were already operating virtually. Mm -hmm. uh, the team is nationally distributed. We were already interacting on Zoom pre-pandemic. What it did do was catalyze uh, two things. First, it enhanced our sense of urgency around the digital experiences we want to develop. And second, it enabled us to bring in some talent over the summer that would not have been available otherwise. We had an amazing team of five undergraduates and graduate student interns, all of whom either lost the internships they were planning on already, uh, or well, all of whom lost uh, the internships they were planning already. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we were honestly benefit beneficiaries in some sense of uh, the changes, but in no way, um, in no way happy about what, what caused that, of course. Right. Now, um, you said it enhanced your sense of urgency. So does that two to four year window um, get shortened now because of you being able to get more interns and, and enhance uh, where you were? Uh, it will not entirely shorten it. We're, all, we're in the third year of the business already. So okay. next year's the fourth. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's but time. It allows us Right. It starts, it allows us to parallel process. We're developing a medical device on the one hand, and, and that is to go through a regulatory compliance process that's on its own timeline. But digital services are something we can introduce in the meantime uh, and build a groundswell of interest around. So that's the path we're on. Interesting. Yeah. Um, all right. So I know you talked a little bit about self care. I think that's a good segue into the next question is. You know, work-life balance is such a big challenge for women uh, because we say yes to everybody else before ourselves. And so uh, any best practices, Colette and Melody, if you could share, what do you do to get work-life balance? Did you know that there is an increase in the number of women leaving the tech industry? As a woman-owned business, Directions Training has made it our mission and passion to change this statistic. That's why Jennifer created this podcast. We showcase insight from everyday women for everyday women in the tech industry. Do you know other people that would benefit from tuning in? Share the link and help us drive the advancement of women in the tech industry. Do you have a journey or know of someone that our listeners would benefit from hearing about? Reach out to us at directionstraining.com slash podcast. Don't forget to follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and wherever you find your podcasts. Now, back to the show. Things are merging in ways that they've never merged before. Um, remote working is the new norm. So, you know, going from your coffee uh, to going right into your business day, there is no kind of, <laughs> there is no mm -hmm. stop. Uh, and I think that that really re requires one to you know, figure out where they can create reasonable boundaries. Um, and that is everything from creating, you know, spaces in your home to kind of more of a routine around that. Uh, I think that really helps, um, you know, reinstill some normalcy and some regularity that, you know, is, 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 is so much in need right now. Um, and I, I think that, you know, that the, the how do we balance the work 
work-life uh, conundrum. I mean, that you know has always been an issue, and I suspect will always be, continue to be an issue, particularly for women. Uh, and I think again, that has to do with prioritization and boundaries. And really, you, I, I am a believer in you. You can do it all, but maybe not at the same time. Uh, I've lived that personally, and I think it's about choosing where, it, at what point in your life, you can do the things well, and where you might have to have some give. And then lastly, you know, um, being being empathetic and uh, kind, right, to oneself and not only to that, to yourself, but to others and your colleagues. And um, I think that's really critical because if one thing that that COVID has done is that we have this kind of shared experience and our humanity is really rising to the to the occasion. And I think people are are more forgiving um, and they're more understanding because there is no better way to experience or express empathy than to have be going through something yourself. So um, kind of personal uh, perspectives on, on the work-life balance question. I agree with uh, Colette's point about priorities. I sometimes think balance is the right word for some women and not for others. <laughs> for me, work is play. <laughs> I love what I do. So I don't typically think of working many hours as giving anything else up. However, I have two amazing children and a lovely husband and I, I, uh, I worked the kind of hours that didn't make it possible for me to be the primary parent. So in our family, he's the one who agreed to stay home for the early years. And uh, I used to say it took two of us to earn my corporate salary. Mm -hmm. So that's how we worked it out. No regrets. That's very, very good. Um, I too have a very supportive husband. And so, you know, as the kids were little, we had equal equal responsibilities and kind of jumped in whoever came home first from work would make dinner whoever you know uh, whichever kid needed help we would help and so it really that blend gives you more of a balance and I don't even think there's balance it's like mm -hmm. you, you kind of have to do it as it comes and just be present and be part of enjoying the experience like you said you enjoy work so enjoying the experience is so important. Well, thank you. Those were great best practices. Um, actually, I do want to go back and ask Colette, you said setting boundaries. Um, can you share like some examples of boundaries you've set up? Sure. Uh, so I, I would think that there's something around time and space that seemed pretty obvious, but uh -huh. um, you know, where we happen to be having our uh, some work done in our home, and and finally I had to kind of give in to the fact that I would be roaming around from room to room trying to find my quote office, uh -huh. and I created a whole new workspace in our in our basement, and um, that really helped me have a destination to go to. And it sounds really simple, but but that really was um, helpful in in creating a, a boundary space. Um, you know, people weren't walking by. This still happens occasionally, of course. But, you know, uh, when you're on a Zoom call and you have people walking by or there's noise in the background. So that that helped um, create the space. And I think there's boundary around time. Uh, you know, how do you kind of, uh, you know, either inform people who are you know at home with you that these are the times that I'm kind of not available or, uh, you know, with your colleagues um, because the, the hours are blurring so so frequently. Right. We you know, the days are getting longer. Um, because of a work-life balance that you have to kind of be intentional about when you spend your time and how you spend it. 
Um, but I do think that the remote working piece has enabled much more flexibility. Uh, and so I think that's serving uh, everyone quite well. So I, I think it's really about, you know, time and space and, and creating those, those, um, those, those pieces that give you the, the opportunity to, uh, to create boundaries. Yeah, I love the time and space. And, you know, as you said, the basement might sound easy, but it's not. Sometimes we yeah, are going from room to room and trying to make it work and then getting frustrated and getting aggravated. <laughs> so just taking a step back and saying, okay, what do I need to do? And where's that space that's going to give me that peace of mind is a huge part of it. So I think that's great. Um, all right. So I love to travel. And, well, we can't travel right now, but, you know, the future, we will go back to it. So let's start with Colette. Um, curious to know what's your the best vacation you've ever had and why? Oh, that's so difficult to answer. Just <laughs> so I, I will talk in general terms and, then, and try to pick one. But um, so okay. I do love to travel as well. And I would say... Um, you know, as long as there are certain elements that are there, um, which would include for me a great company, and that would be typically family, friends, my husband, my children, um, or meeting new people. Um, and I think learning, uh, you know, if I can, I, I do love to sit on the beach for a little bit, but I, I can only take that for, for so long. But the opportunity to learn, which typically involves some kind of historical destination. And then for me, uh, great food. So I've been lucky enough to travel to some really cool places, but I uh, just turned 50 this year and our plans to do some amazing traveling were unfortunately upended. So uh, we're going to we're going to postpone that. And we are looking at some destinations, possibly in the Middle East and um, Europe. So we'll see where, where we get to. But as long as they have those components, I think we'll have a great trip. And try to pick one place that kind of came to mind at, uh, I think, at first question. <laughs> you know, Italy has been, I, yeah. I've traveled there the most and it is just, it's, it's an amazing country. So abundant with art and beauty. And so I would have to say um, my, many trips to Italy have been fantastic. And amazing food. Yes. yes. <laughs> I was, I was always amazed when I went there, we had three course meals and I never gained an ounce because we walked so much and I loved that culture. Yes. Yeah. That's great. Uh, Melody. Well, I'm just going to refuse to choose only one. That's how I am. I'm kind of a little ornery. But uh, <laughs> I'll give you some contrast. I think two of my favorite vacations were very essentially different in nature and on exactly along exactly the lines that Colette just described. I took a trip to India, my first trip to India in 1994 with my husband. We were newlyweds, and it was a learning adventure. We went uh, throughout Rajasthan. Of course, as newlyweds do, we went to see the Taj Mahal, Badi Sikri, Lal Kila. It just—it was an amazing, amazing adventure, and it was, you know, just the two of us, so that was special. But I would say equally special was a vacation I took just the two of us with my teenage daughter to the Emerald Coast of Florida, and it was exactly the opposite. We did almost nothing other than cook and read and clean up after ourselves. And uh, as my daughter said, mom, it takes a lot of time to do nothing. <laughs> I love that. Oh, wow. Um, I love both of those learning and, um, you know, experiences and then just, you know, cooking, reading and cleaning up. I think that's 
awesome too with sometimes my entire world is a schedule and so not having a schedule always is appealing i have a question melody why why india why did you pick india i'm always curious about the thought process of people when they're choosing a destination um how did they come up is it um you know, an experience? Is it people that you know? Is it the food that you like? How? Why India? Well, I was going to meet my in-laws. Oh, okay. My, yes, my, my husband's from Mumbai, so this was okay. the, awesome. uh, the, the first trip. That's awesome. And then, um, it, you know, Colette, do you have any thoughts on the process of picking a destination? Oh, boy. I think, uh, you know, it's, um, it's, it's it's the adventure, uh, you know. It's learning something new. I think about, um, you know, kind of. Um, actually, I'm thinking about Morocco as my next destination, and just nice. the color and the smells and the sights, and it's it's so immersive, you know, when you can when you can have that kind of experience. Um, that's I think what's what's driving me for my next my next adventure. I love that. Love that. I can and I can recommend Morocco. It's it's amazing. It's wonderful. I'm going to add that to my list. <laughs> that sounds amazing. All right. Well, this has been so much fun. So in closing, what advice would you give to a woman who's considering a career in tech uh, or moving careers? You know, we really want to encourage more women to come into technology, but, you know, I think uh, all women in business are important and best advice is always taken to heart. So uh, let's start with Melody. What what would you give as an advice, uh, best practice for a woman that's considering a career in the tech industry? Well, don't laugh, but I'd say the single most straightforward thing you can do is get a, a degree in a technical field. Mm -hmm. so I have my master's in human-centered product design from Illinois Tech, and uh, that positioned me uh, to more or less effortlessly move into the field and into mm -hmm. the sector. Um, however, I have seen a lot of people enter through administrative and project management roles. So if one has a background in communications, like a degree in English, or, um, I don't know, political science, but an interest in running an office, there, there are all kinds of jobs, all of the basic jobs uh, of any organization exist. So just don't hesitate. That's great advice. Yep, great advice. And yeah, in technology, we do find people get there accidentally. <laughs> they don't usually have that degree in technology, but there's so many other ways to get into technology. Like you said, admin and PM roles, uh, get your feet wet, you know, uh, dabble in it and see if you love it. Um, Colette? Yeah, I would uh, echo Melody's comments. Um, there is really, for me, in my experience, there's been no straight line. So I think there's a there's a mix of uh, being open and being curious, um, being open to the possibilities that you might something might ignite, you know, your interest, and really uh, going with that uh, and being curious. You know, many of the best jobs I've taken have been out of, um, you know, in fact, when I started in manufacturing. That was out of pure curiosity, and so I think if you can feed that curiosity and be open to the possibility that, you know, it is not a straight line, and that sometimes you you go two steps forward and maybe a step back, but being uh, being open to those, all of those possibilities. In addition, I think to what Melody said, which is yes, um, having having some if you're pursuing a if you're interested in pursuing something in the technical field, education and training, um, and also mentoring within that field. 
Yeah, that's great. Um, I love that you said be curious. I I am always curious, and I learn so much by being curious every day with the people I meet, the people I talk to, um, people I've never talked to, just asking questions, understanding who they are, understanding their job role, all of those things really help give you an idea if you're passionate about that or not. So that's great, great advice. Um, so, uh, Melody, what's the best way for our listeners to get a hold of you and your company? And then I'll ask Colette the same thing right after you're done. Uh, so two different answers. To reach me, uh, go to LinkedIn. I'm at Melody Ann Roberts. To reach Live Labs, go to our website, www.liv-labs.com. Perfect. And Colette? Uh, same. Um, I am on LinkedIn. Great way to get a hold of me or uh, visit our website at www.wbdc.org. And we'll also be updating our Women's Innovation Learning Lab uh, page within our home website. Um, but look out for that. It'll be happening after the holidays. I'm excited to explore that. So Colette and Melody, thank you so much. This was such a joy to spend time with you. I loved your thought processes. I loved your answers. I know that you're inspiring women out there um, to really move into a new career, technology career, hopefully. But either way, building confidence and getting them to really consider who they are and what they want to be is really our passion. So thank you both so much. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you for listening to Tech in the Right Direction. Please take a minute to subscribe or follow so that you never miss an episode. Also, don't forget to like, share, and comment. Thank you. See you next week. From IT skill enhancements to end user adoption training, Directions Training is your resource to help optimize the effectiveness of your technology investments. Over half a million students have taken advantage of our wide selection of technology and business training solutions covering the most popular applications today, such as Microsoft 365, Azure, Windows 10, and more. As a podcast listener, we invite you to take advantage of an exclusive offer. Receive 30 days of free access to our Microsoft official curriculum on-demand courses for IT professionals or end users. Visit us at www.directionstraining.com slash podcast to claim this offer today. Hurry, this offer is only available for a limited time. Success is a journey. Ask for directions.